Welcome to It Came From The Deep, a narrative podcast series based on the novel by best-selling author Maria Lewis. Chapter 11. It took four nights for Amos to find what his keys opened. He'd grown increasingly frustrated each night Kaya visited him, and she was beginning to doubt their theory. Eventually, he had discovered two metallic boxes, just metres apart from each other. One had been neatly disguised among the native foliage, while the other was made to look like it was part of an underwater pipe. When Kaya arrived the night of his discovery, Amos had her swim over to the reeded area of Lake Palutz to open the boxes, paranoid that someone would see. If I get bitten by an eel, it's your fault, Kaya grumbled, eyeing a nearby ripple nervously as she made her way towards where he had hidden the boxes. They stay away from wherever I am. He gave her a grin that highlighted the major differences in their teeth. His were all slightly jagged, serrated formations. He had the two boxes resting on the edge of the bank, which was cloaked by the reeds, where they extended up from the water and to the perimeter of the walking path. Kaya jumped, feeling a wet and silky thing wrap around her ankle, only to realise it was a clump of reeds. Amos took in her startled expression and in one movement pulled Kaya onto his back and swam forward closer to the boxes. The eels are as far away from us as they can be, he said softly. She could hear the smirk in his voice. Sliding from his shoulders, Kaya curled up at the edge and tucked her long legs under herself, trying to avoid contact with as much of the environment as possible. Amos lifted the keychain over his head and held the keys ready in anticipation. He looked at her, eyebrows raised. Do it, she nodded. Key one went into the lock like a knife in warm butter. The first box, army green in colour, popped open with a puff of air as a few final remnants of water dripped from its corners and onto the contents. A clear plastic box sat inside, and Kaya watched eagerly as Amos lifted it out and fumbled with the release. It protected a series of documents, all maintained in pristine condition within an airtight laminate. There were no headings, no subtitles, no sections bolded or coloured in. It was just text. Eight pages covered front and back in text. The ninth page was a clear sheet of laminate. Amos was so consumed in reading the other pages that Kaya slipped out the clear one for closer inspection. She frowned at it, wondering what its purpose was. It was a moonless night, so there was no light from above, but she thought she could almost make out a symbol on the sheet. Holding it up in front of her face, she could see there were patterns, but she couldn't quite make them out with the lack of illumination. She ran her index finger over them and could feel the raised surface where they were. What is it? Amos had stopped reading the papers and was watching her. I don't know. There are symbols on here, but the rest of the sheet is clear. It's too dark to see. What about you? He looked just as confused. It's three case studies of humpback whales, two calves and then a general study on species migration along the east coast of Australia, just like the last paper he sent to Travis. Exactly. I don't see how... The other box, Kaya blurted. Open it. 
She hoped the contents of the final box may hold the answer. It didn't. What it did hold was a USB. What's that? asked Amos, confused by the tiny object as he rolled it over in his hand. It stores information. It can only be read by a computer. Why would he give that to me? He knows I wouldn't have access to a computer. Maybe this wasn't intended for you. Maybe he just needed to put it somewhere... safe? She shrugged. Maybe. I guess it all depends what's on it. Can you find out? Of course, it's just... Do you trust me with this? Amos gave her a confused expression. You know I do. Whatever is on here is obviously very important. You're okay with me taking this out into the world? Amos leaned forward to cross any remaining distance between them. His face was inches away from Kaya's, and she felt something jump in her throat as her heartbeat increased. He placed a cool, wet hand on her cheek, and she found herself drawn to the strange blueness of his eyes. I trust you, he whispered. There were such simple, calm words. The response they ignited in Kaya was anything but. They stayed like that for some time, both of them staring at each other and not saying anything more. Suddenly the moment was gone and the closeness was almost awkward. He slunk back. This Travis Tishop, can he be trusted? She thought about that. In reality, she didn't know a whole lot about him. Sure, she'd been out with him on a date, but how much could you truly learn from a person in one sitting? Yet after visiting SeaWorld, she saw how much Travis truly respected Professor Waldman's work and the man himself. He admired him and considered him a personal hero of his. You just didn't murder your heroes. Or betray them, even after death. Yes, she answered finally. Show him this, said Amos, shuffling the plastic documents together and handing them to her. See what he can make of it. Are you sure? What if it exposes you? Nothing in these sheets will. None of it even makes sense out of context. The only thing that could might be what's on that USB. She clenched the device tighter at the very mention of its contents. I'll go to him with the documents first, see how that goes, then we can decide what to do with whatever information your father put on the USB. Amos gave her a tentative smile and reached across once more, interlinking his fingers in hers. I'm glad I'm not alone in this. What am I looking at? Uh, I'm not quite sure. And how did you come across it? Well, I, uh, can't tell you. Travis was giving Kaya a look she truly deserved as she handed him the clear sheets with Professor Waldman's research. As he began reading at his desk, she sat there nervously and watched, fidgeting. After about 20 minutes, he looked up at her, thoughtful. I printed off his paper after the last time we spoke so I could go over it again, Travis said reaching into a drawer and pulling out a small stack of documents. As he began flipping through, he cast her another look. This is Victor's work, he stated. Yes. How did you get it, Kaya? The nephew? If I tell you, it can't leave this room, okay? All right. Swear on Scuttle, your star dolphin? I swear. These documents were left to Amos, but he only found them recently. He's a nice guy, but he wants to stay off the radar, especially after what happened. 
Her explanation seemed to settle a question in Travis's eyes as he nodded. I could understand that. Does he... What's his name again? Amos. Does Amos study within the field as well? He knows a little, but that's mainly from being associated with someone like the professor. Science isn't really his thing. Hmm. What? What is it? The documents break down like this. Three summaries of case studies on humpback whales and their migration. It ties in perfectly with the last material he sent me, meaning all of this came from the same research pool. One of the studies looks at a specimen we dealt with here that was caught in the shark nets and had to be rehabilitated before being released back into the wild. What does that have to do with the migration? The professor was examining how well the specimen integrated back into the wild. It did, along with some of the other examples he looked at. The calves rejoined their old herd and continued to migrate each year for the next five or so that he has recorded. Travis was silent again as he reread several sections of the papers. Kaya picked at the pockets of her jeans, feeling exposed. He hadn't remarked about the strangeness of the documents being covered in plastic, but he must have been wondering about it. She had caught Travis just before he left the office for the day, and she had rushed to make it in time from board training. Because of that, her hair was still wet and dripping down her back. The green singlet she was wearing was sticking to her skin in the places that were still damp. Travis was in what she had dubbed his usual attire, slacks and a polo shirt. And he looked up at her again and leaned back in his chair. What he was looking for, she didn't know. She sensed that he was on the edge of saying something. Essentially, Kaya, what Victor was looking at was the likelihood of reintroducing a specimen into the wild after it had been separated from its herd for a long period of time. She stopped breathing in that moment, realising what that meant. The professor was trying to work out if Amos could ever return home and exactly where that home might be. Some of this research is so specific, Travis continued. I'm betting it relates to a specific creature. Since his specimens were the property of the university and reacquired when he died, I know roughly what he had in the tanks at his home laboratory. But none of the information he has gathered here is applicable to those creatures. Kaya was so lost in what Travis had found out about the research and what this could mean for Amos, she had stopped listening to him. He reached across, placing a hand on her forearm to get her attention. She was immediately jerked back into the conversation. He was looking at her with a serious stare that seemed to highlight the age difference between them. Kaya felt strangely like a child about to be scolded. I have to ask you this, he started, voice low but urgent. Are you and Victor's nephew keeping one of his specimens alive? Do you have it hidden somewhere? I, uh, I know it's hard when you get particularly attached to an animal, but you can't keep something like that secret, he continued, understanding, lining his tone as if he was speaking from personal experience. It's property of the university, and as this research demonstrates, it probably contains valuable information you don't know how to access. Staring at the deeply sombre look on his face, Kai couldn't help the eruption of laughter that escaped her lips. Oh, one of his creatures was still alive all right, except Amos could think, speak, and swim for himself. She was sure he had all kinds of designs for his life, 
that didn't involve being poked and prodded in a university laboratory. The harder she tried to stop the laughter, the worse it got. Travis was rightly staring at her like she was a crazy person by the end of the outburst. If only he knew. No, she wheezed. We're not hiding any secret creatures. All we have is what's in your hands right now. She neglected to mention the USB. Half an hour later, when she headed for the SeaWorld car park, Kaya pondered why the professor had chosen to use humpback whales in the case studies. How did they relate to Amos and how he could get back to his people? For all the answers the professor had left them, Kaya was beginning to feel he had left more questions. KC had a handful of his mates from the surfing label around for a brainstorming session and dinner. Apparently there was a gnarly low-pressure system forming off the coast of New Zealand and they were trying to decide if they should fly over. The discussion went late into the night as they inspected various surf cams and called contacts at the Bureau of Meteorology. Kaya had to wait until they were long gone and she was sure her dad and Storm were in bed before she could make her escape. The wait was agonising and she was impatient to see Amos. Whether it was because she was eager for his company or because she wanted to impart the information she had learned, Kaya was uncertain. She was, however, certain that she didn't want to think about it too much. It was well past 2am when she finally arrived at Lake Palatz. Hiding her bike in the usual section of bush, she picked up her pace into a slow jog as she trotted down the decline to the edge where Amos and she met. His grinning face emerged from the water and Kaya returned the beaming smile. She was almost at the edge of the footpath when she heard a twig snap behind her. Kaya's smile dropped immediately and she spun towards the sound. I knew it. I knew you were up to something, came Storm's voice as he appeared from the shadows. Her body must have blocked his view of Amos initially, and Kaya hoped he had the sense to duck back under the water now. Storm, what are... What am I doing here? I think the question is more, what are you doing here, Kaya? Why have you been sneaking out the past two nights to come here? You were attacked here. It's dangerous. What the fuck is going on? It's not what you think. I have no idea what to think, because I have no idea why my little sister would be coming back to this spot after Dad and I have been doing everything we can to keep you safe. There was another rustle in the bushes and Cabby appeared behind Storm, batting away a series of leaves that had tried to embed themselves in her hair. Cabby? She hissed. Oh, now I get it. You didn't exactly follow me, did you, Storm? I had to tell him, Cabby said apologetically. We're worried about you, Kaya. It's been a month since I came here with you. What are you doing back at Lake Platz? Kaya crossed her arms, determined not to say another word. So? Storm snapped, throwing his hands out in an exasperated gesture. You got nothing to say. And don't blame Cabby for this either. I spent years sneaking out of the house under Dad's nose. You didn't think I would notice when you started doing the same? She opened her mouth to reply when they all heard a car door slamming nearby. It sounded close, almost as if it had come from the car park. No sooner had Kaya thought that, the light of a torch flickered on at the top of the hill near the entranceway. Who's out there? Come on, it's much too late to be playing funny buggers in the dark. This is the police. Crap, she whispered. Without a second thought, she threw her backpack into a nearby bush. Kaya, what are you doing? 
Cabby said, dropping her voice low. Be quiet. We can't be caught here. No shit, Storm snapped. That was obvious. For the victim of a physical assault to be found at the spot where it occurred at 2am with her brother and her good friend, well, that would be majorly weird. The police officer was still at the top of the incline and she thanked God for the overcast evening that made everything a touch darker than it would usually be. There were no lights on the path, nothing to illuminate Storm, Cabby and herself, so the officer hadn't spotted them. Yet. She watched the movement of his flashlight with horror as the illumination began to slowly move its way over the grass and in their direction. They could all outrun him, she guessed, but how long would they have to stay hidden before they could return for their stuff? What if it reached daylight while they were still out and about on the streets of the lakes? As she was thinking over all of this, the light was inching closer and closer. Kaya, Amos's soft and worried voice came from behind her and she turned to him with a panicked expression on her face. She only needed to look at him for an instant to know what she had to do. Who the... Storm started. She cut him off as she took a leap forward and grabbed him by the shoulders, throwing him off the edge of the path and into the lake below. Cabby stood there shocked at what had just happened. It gave Kaya the element of surprise as she shoved her friend in the lake as well. She just hoped Amos was ready. Before the officer had a chance to turn his flashlight in the direction of the splashing sounds, Kaya took off at a sprint in the opposite direction. She shouted as she ran, trying to make the strangest and most unusual sounds she could to draw his attention away from the lake. Glancing over her shoulder, she saw it had worked as the light was bouncing with the officer's movements as he ran after her. He hadn't seen who she was, and as she grunted and growled, she hoped he wouldn't even suspect it was a woman. Better yet, maybe he'd think she was a neighbourhood dog who had got loose. Kaya was extending her lead on the cop, whose seeming lack of fitness she was grateful for. She ran harder still, streaking through the dark and along the path she knew so well at this point. When she had increased her lead to 100 metres, she came to a dead halt. Crouching down and stepping off the ledge into the water as soundlessly as she could, she tried to calm her breathing. Don't panic, she told herself, slowly pushing off from the bottom as she let her body float further and further away from the shore. The officer's light was close now, less than 20 metres, and Kaya worried that her very breathing would alert him to her presence. She couldn't afford to make any strokes with her body as the noise would draw him to the lake. Instead, she gently moved her legs backwards and forwards together in a butterfly kick to propel herself even deeper. At this point, even if he thought someone was in the lake, his torchlight wouldn't reach that far. She watched anxiously as the officer neared where she had leapt off the path and then kept going. His flashlight pointed directly in front of him as he continued to chase after the source of a noise that was no longer there. She let out a nervous breath, increasing her kick enough now that she could afford to make the smallest sound. Her eyes tracked the flashlight as she moved, never once looking away as it followed the path up and onto one of the back streets of the lakes. Kaya nearly let out a shriek, choking on the water around her as a hand snaked around her waist. It was Amos, of course, and she spun to see his eager face waiting for her. They remained silent, not needing to communicate as she wrapped her hands around his shoulders and he swam her 
to her the quietest and most private part of Lake Palatz. It was around the bend where she had swum to speak to him during daylight a week ago, with no path and minimal houses to prevent any chance of discovery. As they drew closer to the shallow end, Cabby and Storm came into view, and Kyle let out another sigh of relief. They were safe. They were out of sight. They were out of danger. As she unlinked herself from Amos's back and walked towards them, her brother met her gaze with a deadly stare. Perhaps they weren't out of danger yet. Watch! She held a finger to her lips and motioned to the other side of the lake and the distant houses. From the way his eyes kept darting from her to Amos and back again, keeping quiet was not what he was taking issue with. Cabby was hugging herself, standing in the shallowest part of the lake she possibly could. With the water coming up to her waist, she was shivering, but she was quiet as she stared at Amos in shock. Storm shook his head angrily and took a deep breath. What just happened, Kaya? And who the heck is this? How did he get here? He whispered. This is Amos, she said quietly, walking closer to her brother with her hands extended in front of her. There was a police officer and none of us can be caught here, so I pushed you both into the lake hoping that he could take you somewhere safe while I created a distraction. How? Kaya spun around to face Amos, who was hanging back in deeper water. She gave him her best, what have we got to lose type of expression, and he nodded. The surface of the water rippled as Amos slowly lifted his tail out of the lake and in front of Storm and Cabby's faces. Her brother's blonde hair was dripping and stuck to the front of his forehead as he gaped at the silver, scaled entity. He looked from the tail to Kaya, back to the tail, then to Amos, and back to the tail again. Mama water, Cabby whispered, sinking down. By the second time he looked back at Amos, Kaya knew what Storm was going to do and threw herself in front of her brother as he tried to rush at the aquatic humanoid. She had no idea what Storm thought he could do if he reached Amos. Will him to be a normal person? Or if he thought Kaya would float idly by, but she spliced herself perfectly between the two of them. Stop! Kaya, let me at him! Really, Storm? What can the... Just let... No! What? Storm tried to nudge her out of the way, but Kai used all of the strength she had to push him as hard as she could. He stumbled backwards, his eyes wide as he lost his footing and landed with a splash on his butt. As siblings, they had wrestled with each other their whole lives. But Amos had probably never seen anything like it with his diet of documentaries and classic Hollywood movies. Kai felt his arm wrap around her stomach as he yanked her backwards and away from Storm. When they were a good 15 metres away, he stopped moving and negotiated with her physicality until she was behind him once more. Storm looked dumbfounded as he clutched at the water where Kaya had been not a moment earlier. He blinked, wiping the hair off his face as he took in their distance from him. Within seconds, he was swimming towards them and, testament to his speed, he nearly got there before Amos whipped her out of his path again. The rush of water swept Kaya's hair over her cheek as Amos brought her closer to the shore and towards Cabby. Her friend's shaking hand reached out for her and Kaya slid over to her, gripping her arm for comfort. Amos, Kaya begged. It's okay, Storm won't hurt anyone. This is just how he works things out. We need to give him some space. He gave Kaya a look that said he believed her about as much as he believed in Santa Claus. 
Storm, who had been watching this transaction with a mixture of fascination and disgust, suddenly swam towards him again. Amos diverted once more, ducking away in a flash. Really? Cabby moaned. You're going to try and drown a merman, Storm. I know you're pretty, but I didn't think you were dumb as well. She sounded beyond frustrated and Kai didn't blame her. Quit acting like an idiot, Kai scolded. Storm, stop moving and be quiet. Amos, stay where you are. The two men fell silent at Kaya and Cabby's harsh tones. Reluctantly, Storm surged forward and swam slowly to the shore until he was alongside the girls. Cabby turned to face him, still clutching Kaya. Learn to control your bloody masculinity, will you? I'm sorry, he huffed. This has kind of taken me by surprise, Cabby. Oh, and I'm handling this perfectly. You seem pretty okay about it. I thought she was having a mental breakdown when she brought me here, mate. I was trying to help her through it. I didn't think she was actually right. Kaya gulped, watching her brother and friend come to terms with something she'd had time to digest. Cabby turned to her, face apologetic. You were right, Kaya. There was something down there. I know, she whispered. And thank you for not making me feel like I was completely crazy, even though you thought I was. She shrugged. Hey, we're standing here, uneaten by a sea creature. Let's call it even. Kai chuckled, feeling immediately better as the gesture helped relieve some of the tension she had been feeling. Her brother, however, still looked pissed. Why are you so mad? She asked, genuinely interested. Because you... He... You lied, Kaya. You lied to the police about what you saw. <laughs> That's what you're going with? She snorted. Mr. I don't know how Dad's car ended up wrapped around the pole, officer. I was at home in bed. I was 16. You were 20. Whatever, he snapped, falling silent and looking off into the distance. She didn't actually lie, came Amos's soft voice. Kai's brother jerked around to glare at him as if he had just said the most atrocious thing in the world. She didn't. Kaya had no idea what I was, what was in here, when I saved her from those brothers. It wasn't until after... Brothers? Cabby asked. It was the Tyler brothers who attacked me, Kaya said. And you knew this? Storm questioned. No. I mean, I figured as much from their accents and physical type. You never told the police any of this, Kaya, he said. They could have had them in custody by now. What was she supposed to do, Storm? Cabby sighed. You wanted me to tell the police that the only two children remaining in the family whose life I destroyed attacked me? Kaya asked. That not only was I responsible for the death of their daughter, but now I'd be responsible for taking the freedom of their sons as well. Okay, first thing, Storm said, raising a finger. Bree Tyler's death was never your fault. Never. I know it. Dad knows it. The court proved it, and everyone on the beach knows it, despite whatever rumours or nasty gossip they want to spread. Her parents were looking for someone to blame, and they settled on you. After that, they tried to sue Stingray Surfcraft. They were desperate for a target. It was never your fault, and you need to accept that. I know it's been hard, Kaya, the last six months especially, but none of it was your fault. She was quiet as he spoke. Storm drawing himself up to his full six-foot-three height. Second thing, it's also not your fault that Bree Tyler's brothers attacked you. The fact they thought they were delivering some demented form of justice is on them and them alone. 
You protecting them by not going to the police isn't helping anyone. They need to be punished publicly, and the sooner that happens, the better. Somewhere during the last few sentences of her brother's speech, Kaya had grown teary and exceedingly fond of him. She dashed across the distance between them and dived into a hug. Storm was startled at first, but he relaxed into it and returned the gesture. After a long moment, she untangled herself. He gave her a sympathetic smile. Where are the Tyler brothers hiding, do you think? His question had been asked innocently. He legitimately thought she knew where they were and that she was protecting their location. In a way, he was right. She shared a look with Amos, whose expression showed no sign of guilt or remorse. Holy shit, whispered Cabby, making the leap a second before Kai's brother did. They're dead, Amos said, speaking up. I drowned the both of them so Kaya could escape and their bodies are at the bottom of the inlet over there. He gestured in the direction of the underwater graveyard as her brother gaped at him. So you did save Kaya that night? Yes. And she had no idea you were here? Not until I drowned the brothers. Storm turned to her. Then how did you find him? I started coming here at night looking for answers, I guess. I found Amos. Amos? Cabby repeated, rolling the name around in her mouth like it was a lozenge. Amos, Storm whispered. A mermaid called Amos. What the fuck? Technically that's merman, Kaya murmured, and he prefers the term aquatic humanoid. Amos swam closer, sensing the conversation had flowed into safer territory. Amos means born by God in Hebrew, he said. Kaya looked at him, surprised. My father was Jewish. I didn't know that, she replied, genuinely curious. Wait, your dad lives here too, Cabby asked. No, Kaya cut in. Not his real dad. I mean, no offence, Amos. He was caught in a net during a research expedition by this man, Professor Victor Waldman. He worked for Hodgkins University and lived at that house over there. He was murdered months ago, we think by people who had discovered Amos's existence and wanted him for themselves. Before he was shot, the professor emptied Amos's pool into the lake, and this is where he's been living ever since. It was a lot to take in. Cabby nodded as Kaya spoke, and she could almost see the cogs in her brother's brain as he processed everything. He turned and looked at Amos more carefully. Who else knows about this? No one, she answered. Just Kaya, Amos replied. I never revealed myself to anyone until... The silence of the night grew around the four of them as they waited there, Amos the merman and the humans all dripping wet and fully clothed. Do you want to see his gills? Kaya asked suddenly, trying to break the mood. No, replied Storm, wrinkling his nose. She sighed, giving Amos a look. He smiled at her, moving his shoulders into the smallest shrug visible. Kaya fought the urge to laugh at the ridiculous scenario she had found herself in. Kaya, we need to go home. She glanced at her brother and the serious expression on his face. She knew she had to concede this demand. Okay. Good, Cabby whispered. I'm freezing. How did you get here, by the way? She asked. I was waiting out the front of your place down the street, her friend replied. When I saw you leave, I texted Storm and we drove over here. Didn't even notice your car, Kaya whispered, 
scolding herself for not being more careful. You didn't park in the car park, did you? Please, I'm not stupid. I worried you might see us drive down. I'm around the corner near the primary school. Phew, Kaya breathed, thinking about how much worse the situation could have been if her car was visible enough for the cop to run Cabby's plates. All of this hiding would have been for nothing. Amos swam forward, as if offering the others a lift. Storm quickly put his hands out and shook his head. We'll swim, thanks. Head to the reeds, Kaya said. Just in case, it's a spot that offers the most concealment. Storm nodded, but didn't say anything to her as he and Cabby pushed off and started swimming for the opposite end of the shore. It was a long swim, and they were taking it slow, just in case the cop reappeared or their splashing drew some extra attention. But the night was quiet, no flashlight or inquiring minds in sight, as they all carefully breaststroked their way forward. Kaya hung behind them, giving Storm and Cabby as much space as she could. She watched her brother's head bobbing in front of her, thoughtful, as Amos stuck by her side. We should talk more tomorrow, she said, turning to face him as she swam. But what I came to tell you tonight is that we have confirmation your dad was close to discovering a way back to your people. Really? He said, his eyes lighting up. The hope there was unmistakable. What was in that box was part of a plan to return you home. I just don't know how all the pieces fit yet. And the stick? I haven't had time to look at what's on the USB yet, but I will. If it doesn't expose you, I might be able to go to Travis with it too. She drew quiet as her brother turned around looking back at where Amos and Kaya swam over his shoulder. When his eyes returned to the front, she continued. Tomorrow, she whispered. Tomorrow, Amos replied. When Kaya made it to the shore, Storm was waiting there, glowering, while Cabby jumped up and down on the spot to stay warm. Grabbing her bike and backpack from where she had hidden them, Kaya threw Amos a small wave as they began to walk away from the lake. It took them longer than it should have, to get to Cabby's parked car. With the trio cutting through several public parks and sticking to the back streets so they wouldn't be seen. Sure, it was very late and the likelihood of anyone they knew driving home at this hour was small. Yet, if they were spotted, even by a stranger, it would look incredibly suspicious. The night was quiet as they walked, just the slaps of their feet against the pavement, the only real sound. You can't tell anyone about this, Kaya mumbled, breaking the silence. Kaya, no storm. You have to promise me. You too, Cabby. Cabby threw her hands up in the air. Hey, who would believe me? I didn't believe you. I think someone would believe you, she remarked. I think someone would pay a lot of money. Kill. To know what you both do now. Kaya, this is out of your league, Storm breathed. All of our leagues. We have to tell... An adult? Kaya offered. We're all legally adults. And in case you missed it, Amos's dad is dead. I'm pretty sure whoever killed him wanted Amos too. I don't trust anyone except the two of you standing here with me right now. Storm sighed, nodding his head. Fine, I promise. Cabby? Like I said, yeah, I promise too. Good, Kaya said, feeling relieved. Thank you. I remember, Storm said. Remember what? Cabby asked. 
when my biggest problem was worrying about how I would get girls out of the house in the morning. Cabby laughed, drawing her keys from inside her soggy jeans pocket as they turned the corner to find her car, a Suzuki Jimny, waiting there patiently for them. This chapter of It Came From The Deep was read by Sophie Parr and produced by Adam Boys at Thaumaturgy Post-Production Services. It Came From The Deep is the third novel from Maria Lewis and available physically from all good bookstores and library as well as online. It's also part of her Aurealis award-winning Supernatural Sister series which includes Who's Afraid, Who's Afraid 2, Who's Still Afraid, The Witch Who Caught a Death, The Wailing Woman, The Rose Daughter and more. This is the narrative podcast series with new chapters releasing every week and bonus episodes dropping in between with author Maria Lewis and myself, Blake Howard, breaking down the plot, inspirations and writing process. It Came From The Deep is part of One Heat Minute Productions.